hello and welcome to Loving Your Garden Life with me, Rod Whiting, and our gardening guru, John Sterland, in association with our sponsors, Fitzgerald Lane Decorators. Uh, evening, John. I like the way you said uh, you look. I, I look as though I'm in the black hole of Calcutta. You do. Now. <laughs> it's me trying to keep the sun out, although I'd love some of your rain. I really would. We've had one shower today that's wet the patio, and now it's dried off again. It's oh, absolutely really chucking it down here. Um, <laughs> so you'll hear it thundering against the, the roof of the studio in a second, uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> anyway, hello and welcome to Loving Your Garden Life. Mm-hmm. Now, for the benefit of newcomers to the site, my goodness, we've had a fair few this last uh, week. A couple of hundred at least. Uh, welcome. incredible. Great to have you with us. And uh, we do this every week. We have a little live get-together with John Sterland, who is uh, a horticulturist with more than 50 years' professional experience. Uh, There is very little that he doesn't know. Um, Oh, there's lots I don't know, Rod. If you saw Bean's um, Encyclopedias of Shrubs, 13 volumes. So, but I think I know over the years I've just learned enough to uh, cover a few bits. Picked a few give things. The basics. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I gave John precisely no notice at all about what we were <laughs> going to talk about tonight. So it's a mm. test of his professionalism that he's able to just say, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we'll talk about creating height in a garden. Yeah. No problem at all. We'll major on that, but um, John's got a couple of jobs and tasks to be getting on with. And uh, we'll answer your questions as well. I know we've got at least two questions, John. Yes. So Yeah, we have. Yeah. Ornamental trees, John, is just a great way, isn't it, of adding interest with height in your garden? Yes, it it certainly is. And one of the most important things to when you're doing that is to get it balanced with the size of your garden. You know, people say, I love oak trees, but in your garden, for instance, you wouldn't put an oak tree in. Or um, people love cedar, cedar atlantica, cedar deodora, and sometimes they'll put a a big cedar in. And you know, perfect. If you go and visit, you know perfectly well that in about five years they're going to have to take it out. And they they're always the best trees. They yeah. always grow so well, yeah. um, and then they have to come out. So um, yeah. yeah. One of the most important things is make sure that um, it it do it is going to fit in with your garden. And if you've got a very small garden, Rod, it might might be that it's worth just growing a shrub as a tree. Uh, one of the classic ones is is the mahonia. You can grow that as a multi-stem tree, and it, it looks beautiful. And of course, when you've grown a shrub as a tree you've got loads of planting space underneath as well so do your research and get the appropriate trees yes the wonderful thing is rod as well you've planted that in a little bit yeah it is something we mentioned earlier that if you put in a tree in always remember that your neighbor might not want your tree and the classic i mean is to put trees Round all around the sides of your garden. Yeah, here's another one. This is uh, one of your favourites, uh, John Sorbus hoopahensis. Oh, um, yes. Again, yeah. very young tree at the moment, but that yes. can go to about 18 feet and uh, be a nice, uh, again, a nice wildlife haven. Uh, that's yes. the reason we put that there. It's right in the middle of uh, of my little lawn at the back, 
Um, but it's it's yep. near the bedroom, so we'll get to see the birds coming in and settling on that. And again, it's well away from the neighbours, yeah, and it and creates that height in the middle of the garden. Yes, and it's not going to. That's never going to get too big. And Hooper hens is lovely pink. Uh, berries yeah and pink pagoda is even pinker berries yeah so um, that's a cracker that is and then yeah. arches of course they're a, a classic right let's get let's take some some yes some other gardeners now this is uh jan bingley's yeah uh, look way at... of creating height i mean the, it's a classic isn't it just those beautiful dark roses training them yeah. up the, up the wall around the windows and it just yes. again gives you that and, interest and again using the walls yeah. and if you've only got a very small garden you've got to remember that you try and use the walls if you possibly can and there's so many things that you can it's a bit espalier type you can yeah. go around the windows and if you want to really train you can go i mean i've seen some fantastic training where you'd go between the windows and round the windows at the, uh, the bottom and up the top. And then it's um, you can espalier things like that. Uh, that is wonderful. And then, I mean, if there wasn't the windows there, that height on a wall or something like that could be used to back herbaceous perennials and things like that. One of the old classics to get height in a herbaceous border, if you really want height, you used to very often have um, in the big gardens is to have yew hedges. And then to get the height in front of the yew hedges, you'd have clematis growing up posts every now and then along the herbaceous border. And that would give you height. And also clematis are devils for the bottom leaves go off. So as the, as the herbaceous perennials grew, then uh, they'd hide the brown leaves on the bottom of clematis. Normally, when you look down a garden with all the different heights, it's a, a bit like a woodland situation. A garden should be classically woodland. You know, you've got your canopy trees, and then you've got your shrub layer. That this is that's what we uh, a woodland is is categorised as shrub layer, field layer. And, and, you know, with your smaller plants. And most gardens end up looking like that. And it's getting that balance between the canopy, which in a garden is not going to be as high as a proper woodland, but it all fits into the, to the actual garden that you're creating. Okay. Give us a couple of other plants that we can use and tips for, for creating height. Well, the, well, the other thing as well, Rod, is, of course, um, we, even if you've got a rockery, when you're creating a rocker, it's like creating any feature. You want in the height, and you, you want different heights. And on a rockery, even stones can give you height, but very often um, it might not be the same species. So you've got your alpines, your uh, aubrecias and stuff like that, but also dropping in a conifer, you know, different sorts of miniature conifers here and there create that height in a in a rockery yeah if you look for adpressa or uh, na nana at the end of a, a conifer's name you'll know it's very very small um but there's some fabulous conifers as well that go so well with other plants okay well there we are just, i thought it'd be interesting just to to try and get people to think about for, for you know, especially, especially new gardeners because it took yes. me years to understand <laughs> you can be a little bit a little bit more adventurous in where you put stuff but don't forget that dimension of 
what's up there? What's up there? Yes. So well, much yeah. more possibility. Yeah, when I think, Rod, that you, when we go back years and uh, in the 50s and 60s, it was basically a lawn with roses, yeah. all different all types around. of roses around yeah. the edge. So yeah. many gardens are like that. And yeah. then people got a little bit more, ooh, you know, clever. And instead yeah. of having them around the edge, they made a border in the middle and had yeah. a <laughs> rose yeah. bed in the border. Yeah. And then I think it was probably garden centres. You go to a garden centre and you see all these different plants that you can fit in. I mean, the roses died off that little bit. And then David Austin and people like that, we're not losing roses in a garden, and the English garden's got to have a rose in. And they found all the shrub roses, the climbing roses, the repeat flowering ones, they selected those. And as you say, it's not just a rose for June. Now, um, sent from heaven, is um, repeat flowering, goes right the way through. I've got uh, the simple life on my patio fence, which is, again, as it grows, it's creating height, it's creating a wall. Right, yeah. okay. Um, so, so there are a few ideas there. I just wanted to mention tomatoes and uh, cucumbers, Rod. So many people think that tomatoes are only fed with potash, and you, all you need is a bottle of Tomorite or something like that to keep them going. You've got to remember that the Tomorite, the potash, the high potash, is to create the fruit. And you need to give a complete food, miracle Grow, Fostrogen, Vitax, one of those complete foods to keep them going because you've got to get them to the top of the glasshouse as well as all that fruit so keep giving them a complete plant food but also supplement that with um, a bit of tomorite as soon as you've got that first truss set i've got only got a little glass house now got a couple of tomatoes in there i've got the first the first truss as set so i'm giving them that little bit extra potash i do have Fostrogen, which is high potash, but I'll still give them a little bit of extra potash as well. Okay. The other thing what that you can do, I wanted to mention, is with the vegetables, we're planting time to plant leeks. Um, I love my leeks. I I still eat leek or oh, cheesy leeks. Oh, uh, I can start drooling. Sorry, in a minute. But, uh, yeah, hey, it's gonna be tea time, John. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But um, yes. Uh, it's now the time to plant leeks and obviously with leeks we cut the roots Um, each individual plant you just cut the roots down cut the tops top the top tips of the leaves put make a hole about six inches deep pop them in uh, because that's going to blanch the bottom of the leek and then water them in carefully and the the soil will eventually fill back in but we we don't put soil back in that hole, just let the leeks expand in there and um, you'll be fine. Just a very quick one, Rod. We've got some cracking shrubs uh, at the moment, the dootsias, the colquitsia, the my dootsia magisem, or I think it's strawberry fields, actually. It was magisem I had last time and I've had strawberry fields this time. Absolutely 
gorgeous. I nearly bought one uh, at the garden centre this week because yeah. they do look fabulous. Yes, and uh, Mantau de Hermin Philadelphus is out now. Bellatoire is got its buds on. So, um, and anything like that, once they've flowered, that's when we prune. Straight okay. after flowering it is to prune those things if they need it. If they need it, you yeah. know, yes. I mean, I say, oh, you can prune your forsythia. Well, only if it needs doing, if it's big enough or getting a little bit oversized, we do it straight after flowering. Yeah. Right, questions. Brian Denton, all onion sets on the allotment seem to be wilting. Never had this before. What could be the cause? Is there anything I can do to recover them? Well, they're all they're distorted, as uh, Rod, as well, if you notice. And this could be flea beetle or thrips or the leaf miner as well, um, which bore their way through. It was not a problem a few years ago with um, with onions, but suddenly le- allium moth and leaf miner, the, the grubs are mined through the leaves, and that totally distorts them. If it's thrip or flea beetle, um, Brian will have, if he looks at them, there'll be silver streaks on there because what they tend to do is um they affect the epidermis and instead of the your leaf looking green all over it has streaks of gray through there and then obviously being as it's um the the leaf has been messed about with it starts to deform and you know they can almost tie themselves in knots and um it, that looks classic of what and basically sadly with for amateurs there's nothing we can do about it you can cover them yeah that now that if it's leaf one of the leaf miners you can cover them you have to put fleece over and obviously that stops the adults yeah. um, getting to them and it has so such a problem now in various places that i stopped growing them in the midlands where i lived I stopped growing leeks because they were just tunneled through and you cut them up and they were all brown and horrible. So um, obviously commercially they can get things to control them. Yeah. Right, Jane Knight uh, fell in love with Calicarpa bodinieri. Bodinieri. (laughs) Nearly got there. Bought and planted a specimen in a south-facing border. Um, Lived at the top end of Lincoln, so dig down a couple of feet and you hit solid limestone, (laughs) assuming this is not ideal conditions. Um, Although the plant is green, leafy, and has flower buds, I'm wondering if it will struggle. Uh, Would uh, digging in ericaceous compost Right. Well, um, yes. Um, Calicarpa does like an acid soil. It's pH. It doesn't like a pH over much above neutral. Well, it doesn't like alkaline soil, and right. you've got lime underneath there. So, yes, it might be worth digging in, but the trouble is when you dig ericaceous compost in, your soil all around is alkaline, so it's just eventually going to creep back. Reverse, now. Yeah. Yeah, now I have seen uh, uh, calicarpa grown near neutral. Um, I've got and, one. The yeah, I'm and, looking at it now. <clears throat> yeah, so it might be worth if you if you know your soil is alkaline, is to put some sulfur chips in there. Um, my soil is a bit like that, and I was determined to have hydrangea spara 
and I was also determined to have hydrangea quercifolia, and I've got them going pretty well by putting sulfur chips in. You put the sulfur chips in, tickle them in, and what happens is it releases sulfur very slowly, and that keeps the soil slightly acid and helps the plant to uh, take up the nutrients that they need that they don't usually get in alkaline soils. It's all a matter of the chemistry. Alkaline soils just aren't any good. Yes, I'd mix some ericaceous compost in, but I'd also get some sulfur chips. You can buy them at garden centres. Um, if you haven't got them, you can send away for them. <laughs> uh, Mary's uh, suggesting, can you just remind people, please, not to trim hedges as birds are nesting. Even me, Mrs. Careful, was just snipping long new growth from a honeysuckle yesterday and a dunnock flew out of the nearby pyracantha and she was sitting on eggs. I had no idea she was there. I retreated very quickly. Uh, yes, I hope. Um, I know and I, I know the problem, Mary, because people now look at the gardens and they're all smart and then the hedges are growing and they've got these long wispy bits and, um, oh, I've got to cut the hedges because to, to make the garden look smart. But, um, yes, I totally, I totally agree. At the top of the garden, I've got fences, so I haven't got the problem. But down at the bottom, I've had robins, dunnocks, and uh, I leave those. If I do cut later on, I only cut the sides just to smarten them up a bit, usually with a pair of secateurs, just to keep it looking relatively neat. But I totally agree. And certainly don't touch the top because they'll just leave the nest. Okay. They'll desert. Lovely. All right, uh, John, thank you very much. Thanks, okay, to then, Rod. thanks to our sponsors, Fitzgerald Lane Decorators. Uh, for a free quote and advice on any project, go to their Facebook group, Fitzgerald Lane Decorators. Um, incidentally, Lane is spelled L-A-I-N-G, Fitzgerald Lane Decorators. Uh, thank you for listening. And if you're listening on our podcast, please subscribe. Tell us, tell your gardening friends about us mm -hmm. and check out uh, Loving Your Garden Facebook group. Be inspired by our friendly and knowledgeable members. Until next time, ta-ta. Bye, folks. Bye. Bye.